Good morning all, uh, together here in Sanctuary and the online worshiper. If it is first time for you, my name is Curry. Uh, honored to be one of the pastors serving First United Methodist Church in Kearney. Before diving into the sermon, I have a short announcement to share it with you. I'm planning on having a small group Bible study starting from um, the January 10th every Wednesday, 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m., which is based on the Pixar film, uh, Pixar film, uh, the Inside Out, so the titled with like uh, the biblical reflection of emotional health. You know, there are many emotions in the Bible. And then we are, you know, created by God's image and also emotions are created as well. So if you are interested in how you handle with, how handle the emotions healthily, you know, the, the navigating emotions is vital for appreciating God's gifts and uh, helps us, you know, make strong, you know, relationship with others. So if you're interested in the emotions, how you handle, how you treat that in healthily, you can contact with uh, the office or the lay pastor, one of the pastors, Mitch. Okay. Thank you. So, well, would you look at that? It's already December 31st. So, everyone, how did we manage to uh, spend the whole year? Seriously, did somebody fast forward the calendar when I was looking? You know, at the beginning of this year, you know, I never imagined. I had no idea. I ended up here. So, time pulled a fast one on me. It's like I blinked and boom, it's the end of the year. So did, didn't everyone, you know, you know, make a plans or resolutions uh, at the beginning of this year? I had met some, such as like, you know, the reading a certain number of books throughout the year and the exercise regularly or like improving, you know, work-life balance and et cetera. But some were kept and some were not. So how about you all? Is it often challenging for us to finish what we started? And um, many of us set New Year's resolutions, uh, and, but often struggle to follow through. And isn't it truly impressive for those, you know, who managed to keep them all? You know, I used to hand out papers for previous congregation to jot down their New Year's, New Year's resolutions. Uh, and then I collected them and kept them for a whole year and then hand, and handed them back at the end of the year in order for them to see uh, how many plans they achieved, they finished. And then they were like, when did I ever make, you know, such plans? Dr. Robert Clinton, uh, excellent biblical scholar and teacher in the Fuller Theological Seminary, studied the lives of about a thousand Bible characters. And he found out, you know, that a lot of them didn't finish well. And the numbers are kind of shocking because only 30% of Bible, you know, figures, you know, finished well. For example, King Solomon started well with great wisdom and wealth and didn't end well by marrying to a, the pagan, a lot of pagan wives that God didn't want to. Not talking about having salvation, but just how he lived. And the one of the judges, Gideon, uh, he, he really began, began really good by following God's guidance and experienced the victory with just a small army of the 300 men. But by the end of his life, he worshiping, you know, golden statue he made from the things, you know, he, he took in battles. King Joash fixed up the temple and followed God while the priest Jehoiada was alive. But once the, Joh the Jehoiada who helped him restore the temple died, he stopped following God. 
even though he, he really started well. Having a good start with good intention and a motive is important, but finishing well is equally what matters. You know, finishing well is what counts in our faith journey as well. Because faith journey is not just one-time decision, but a lifelong commitment to the end. It, this means saying that staying dedicated, dealing with struggles, and, uh, and uh, always trying to learn more, even, even when we face difficulties. In today's given passages, Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Paul, the author of Philippians, says, I keep moving forward, you know, towards the goal to win the prize that God has promised me in heaven. You know, the Christian journey is described in many ways in the Bible. And this morning, Paul is describing the journey of faith as a race to win the prize. Finishing well is likened to winning a race and receiving a prize. To achieve that, Paul encourages us to, the, to leave the past behind and focus on what lies ahead to get the prize. For Paul, in verse 13, forgetting what is behind means his old life. Yeah, he wanted to do that. He surely wanted to do that because he wanted to forget his old life before he knew Christ Jesus. Back then, he was super proud of who he was and place in his society, how smart he was, how intelligent he was, how popular he was, and even how how treated, how treated, you know, the Christianity badly, even taking, you know, Christian, Christians to the court. And he even, hurt, you know, helped hurt Stephen, who was first Christian martyr. So Paul wanted to forget about that, absolutely. He managed to get, you know, to get past these and move towards Jesus Christ, which was his new goal, his goal. As Paul says in verse 14, you know, the, he likened this new belief to a runner in a race who keeps going without looking back. The phrase forgetting it is a message to those, to, to, to audiences, to stop dwelling on something. It's like a pushing it out of your mind. To win a race, a runner has to stop thinking about, you know, anything else that might distract them, right? So to the audiences... Forgetting what is behind meant not getting stuck thinking about past relationships, you know, past memories, past failures, past mistakes or frustration, and anything else that might distract us from a single-minded focus on the goal to win the prize. So, does your past ever hold you back from moving forward in faith journey? Do your past wounds and hurts distract you from advancement of your spiritual journey? I don't know about you. I, I might know you, you know, because there would be someone in our life, you know, who has caused us tremendous pain and wounds and hurt that we can never forgive them, right? There is a Jewish rabbi 
named Harold Kushner. Here is a famous, he, she is a famous person who wrote a book about forgiveness. And one day, a mom who is not married anymore and has three kids went to talk to Kushner. And she was having a hard time, you know, taking care of their, her three kids and family. But you know what? He told that woman to forgive her ex-husband. So she, you know, shared her feelings by saying, seriously, since my ex-husband left us, every month, you know, feels like a struggle to make ends meet. So I had to tell my kids, we can't afford just enjoy to, to enjoy the little joys that, that they deserve. While my ex-husband lives comfortably with new wife, how could you expect me to forgive him? So Kushiner said that, look, I'm not saying what he did was okay. It was cruel and selfish. But I'm suggesting you forgive him, not because he deserves this, but because you shouldn't let him take up the space in your thoughts and turn you bitter and angry. By holding on to, on to that resentment, you're not hurting him. You're hurting yourself. In fact, the woman was hurting herself by holding on to him, someone who she could never restore a relationship with. So Kushiner said, forgiveness happens inside us. It represents letting go of the sense of grievance and perhaps most importantly, the role of the victim. Forgiveness doesn't mean saying it's okay to those who have hurt you. Maybe they don't deserve it. It is about letting go of the anger from what might happen, what should happen, and what didn't need to happen. The saddest people might be those people who stay upset with the past events because of something that already happened years ago. And the let that spoil, you know, let that spoil their view of life, hold them back, and keep them from moving forward ever since. It's your loss. When we forgive, we can free ourselves from hate and feeling like a victim. We, we as believers can move on from feeling like a victim and start to heal with God's help, His grace, His love. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. Forgiveness is not something we do for others, but something we do for our own good. Please remember that. There's a girl. This girl, from the moment she was born, was abandoned by her parents and sent to her grandmother's house. At the age of five, she suffered abuse from her grandmother until her clothes were sucked in blood. When she turned six, her grandmother fell ill and this girl was sent back to her mother, but she received no care from her at all. Even worse, for five years in that house, she experienced abuse and harassment from relatives. This girl became pregnant at the age of 14 and was sent back to her father's house during her pregnancy. However, two weeks after giving birth, the girl's baby died. This story is not like a movie. This girl is Oprah Winfrey. She created a show named after herself, which aired worldwide for 25 years on her show. She became the first black woman to enter the top 500 richest people in the world. Oprah, you know, encountered numerous hardships and difficulties, 
She must have, you know, a lot of anger and resentment inside her, right? In her entire life. How could this girl achieve such a dramatic, you know, transformation? I know there are, there are many factors, but I would say she has changed through forgiveness. Because she said in her book, Wisdom, forgiveness is, a, is giving up the hope that the past could have been any different. It's accepting the past for what, is, what it was and using this moment and this time to help yourself move forward. Letting go of all the you know, past hurt, pain, wounds, and the struggles, and resentment, and desire for revenge is the, one of the most challenging things. But rewarding. Because beneath forgiveness, there is a freedom. Forgiveness doesn't mean accepting the wrong door or excusing their bad actions. The purpose of forgiveness is to ensure that the person's mistakes no longer had an impact on our current life. All right, let's talk about the past failure and mistakes when it comes to distracting our race, our spiritual journey. We occasionally tend to consider, you know, failure negatively, right? But according to Samuel Smiles, a Scottish author, we learn wisdom from failure much more than success. In a way, failure is not a failure because it gives us wisdom and lessons, right? It is often one of the necessary procedures we go, must go through in our lives. So every instance in our lives, whether good or bad, ultimately lead us toward the success. When we fail, make a wrong choice, and have a hard time, some people might get really upset and can't bounce up, bounce back. They hide away, and they let just one failure ruin their whole life. It's their loss. You know, and then, and then but the true winners, you know, are not people who never experience failures. The real winners are those who keep going, who try new things until they find something new and then something, you know, that works. They just never give up on things. When things get tough, they, they, they change and they get better. So real failure is doing nothing at all due to the fear of failure. So do something. In the beginning of this month, I went to Getty Center, uh, the museum in California, to celebrate my anniversary. And there are numerous paintings and collections, you know, sculptures. Please show that the pictures in that place. And then uh, the next page. Yeah. So how about that? Do I look like a nailed photo? <laughs> you don't think so? I think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah. So um, there, are, uh, there are a lot of sculptures and paintings in there. And um, Vincent van Gogh, well-known painter's painting, were on display as well. And guess how much this painting is worth? According to experts, the Irish painting alone is valued at $60 million. The more surprising is that, you know, the, all the collections and paintings are Getty's personal, private collection. Can you imagine that? Just one collection, just one collect collection is just $60 million. So how could Van Gogh become a famous artist? You know, he initially had a crazy life. You know, he tried to become a Christian minister, but failed the test to enter the theological seminary, and uh, failed again when trying for the religious education. This was a pattern in Van Gogh's life. 
you know, a lot of failures and the letdowns. Even when he became a missionary, he wasn't successful at all. But he used these failures to find out what he was really good at. Even every time the door closed on him, he used it as a chance to try something new. He wrote a letter to his friend, close friend, Theo. He said, Theo, Theo, I finally found that what I'm really good at. That's why I failed at other things. I'm going to be an artist. I'm sure of it. And he was right. He's really, you know, one of the famous artists in modern art, right? Even though he wasn't famous while he was alive. What makes Van Gogh special and why, know, why we know his name today is because he did not get discouraged or give up due to failures. Instead, he saw them as part of the process towards success. Learning from them, continually moving forward. So I would say that a person who finishes well is not necessarily a successful person always, but rather a someone who perseveres and gets things done until the end. If we look back at the verse 13, 14, Paul says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here Paul encourages us to keep moving forward the goal in order to finish well. He was like, I haven't achieved or reached my goal yet, because, but I continue to strive for it because I belong to God. You know what? The Paul, you know, obviously achieved a lot in his Christian journey, such as, you know, spreading the Christianity, establishing a lot of church, and uh, writing a lot of New Testament, you know, in the, in the Bible, the second half of the Bible. But he wasn't satisfied. He wanted to go for more. He wanted to grab onto, onto everything that God has sto in store for him. He didn't want to miss out on anything. He had this ambitious attitude in Christian journey. So he's on the way that he's pressing on this goal. Likewise, we are not there yet, you know, but we are on the path. When we have professed in our, you know, faith in Jesus Christ, it's like Jesus, we belong to Christ Jesus. And that's real and complete. Nothing can change that. And baptism, symbolically, is just the start of our journey, not the end, you know. We still have a goal. We are supposed to keep going for it because God has already proclaimed us as his own. John Wesley, the author of Methodism, has significant teachings on that by saying justifying grace and sanctifying grace. Justifying grace is like a fresh start from God. It's, it's when God forgives us, accepts us, even though we don't deserve it. This happens when we ask for forgiveness and decide to follow Jesus Christ and uh, we become uh, the, the God's family. After we experience justifying grace, sanctifying grace follows afterwards. And this grace is like a God's help in making us better every day. So after God forgives us, sanctifying grace helps us grow and become more like Jesus. So it's like journey where God's Holy Spirit helps us do the right things and become better people. So Wesley saw justifying grace as the initial acceptance and forgiveness by God and leading to a new life in Jesus Christ. But the sanctifying grace, on the other hand, 
is the ongoing process and of becoming more like Christ through the transformative work of God's grace and his help. So, our journey is on the way. It's not done yet. There's no reward for almost finishing something. So imagine football team, you know, just reaching the one-yard line but not crossing it. They don't get any points even though they way close. They really close. We are not, we are almost done with, when we are almost done with something, we need to find that little bit of a energy, a last bit of a energy, strength, and discipline to finish it, what we started. Only then we get a rewards that come with completing a job the right way. Likewise, we don't look back. Keep going. Focus on your goal, please, and finish the race with strength to the end. Our lives are like a, this race. We can't stop now. We have to reach the finish line. Keep moving forward. Don't stop. We must never be satisfied with our current spiritual state. We should always be pressing on and on and on, not settling for where we are. I'm afraid that is just what all of us do. You know, we get, we get a certain point because we are here in our spiritual journey. And we tend to come to a standstill. Many say, I've been baptized. I've been saved. I'm okay. Now I just can't coast until Jesus calls me home. And they, a lot of, you know, people don't grow from there. And or some are doing some ministry and so they think, I'm doing pretty good. I'll just camp right here. And others may read the Bible and um, pray in the morning and they think, I'm spending, with some, spending time with God. It's my routine. That's enough. And they never grow from there. Many people in churches stop trying to grow. But, you know, God has a lot more for those who want to achieve more in Christian journey and keep moving forward for you, for you, for you. So, you know, settling doesn't mean staying the same, you know, but it means moving backward. We haven't reached the end of the journey. But we are on way. We serve, we give, we pray, we confess, we fall down, we stumble, but we get back up, right? So we, when we come to church, we seek out spiritual, spiritual nourishment and encouragement. Yet we are still on the way. One day, we hope to sincerely say that knowing Christ is the more valuable than anything else. For now, we continue towards our goal, aware that our Lord Savior has already reached it for us as an example. Don't let anything hold you back from moving forward, which could be that past wounds, past hurts, you know, past failure, mistakes. We press on as best we can. Grateful for the one who got promised to guide us. We, should, we are not there yet, not where we should be. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, as we close this year, we thank you for guiding us on our journey of faith. Time has swiftly passed, and we reflect on the goals we set at the start of the year, acknowledging both successes and challenges. Lord God, inspire us, like the Apostle Paul, to forget the past and press on towards the goals you have set for us. And Lord God, help us release past wounds and resentments embracing forgiveness as a path to freedom. 
and let go of a role of victim. As we step into the new year, instilling us a spirit of continuous growth, pressing on with determination in our faith journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.